All right, let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness that you have for us each and every day. We ask you, Lord, that this day, through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we walk in your righteousness, or that we be baptized with your Holy Spirit, that all we say, all that we do, may we be the representatives you've called in these last days to bear witness to some other soul. When you shall come through the clouds of glory, may we all gather up. Bless us now as we talk. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Welcome back to Unmuted with Destiny and Sam. I'm Sam. And I'm Destiny. And remember, this is where faith, friendship, and culture meets. And today, I believe this is going to be our second guest, our third, third. guest. Third, yes. yeah. And um, we're pretty excited about the topic that we're about to discuss. We believe it's not something that is um, truly discussed within... Christendom, and we believe that many persons can benefit um, from what or speaker or <laughs> you know um, or guests will have to say to us today. So you're in for a real treat. But first of all, you know we always like to start off with um, a little activity, and this one I believe is always good to start with, where we. Just say three things that we're grateful for. So, Destiny, can you tell them three things that you're grateful for today? Um, well, I'm grateful to have woke up this morning. I'm grateful to have um, a stable place to live. <laughs> and just there's so many blessings that I can't even think of and name at this point. Um but I guess the third one is the ability to be able to um, talk to God, to just communicate with him and be in a relationship with him. For me, three things that I'm grateful for. Um, there's one thing. There's one thing to have a boss or supervisor or a manager, you know, stuff like that, but it's another thing to have an awesome sauce of a manager and I'm grateful for um, the position I'm in right now and the manager that I, you know, that I have. The only word I can use to describe her, the phrase is awesome. So she's truly flexible. So like today I would normally be working, um, but she see how time consuming school is for me. So wherever she see that she could just take me off the schedule, she does. So I'm grateful that, you know, I could have this day off. Grateful that we could even be here to do this recording. Um, and honestly, I'm just truly grateful to have our guest with us today. Um, he's full of wisdom, I do believe, and I do believe that um, we all can truly benefit from the words that he's about to impart into our lives. So, what, what are we, you're gonna say, Dad? <laughs> yeah, without further ado, our guest is my dad, um, uh, can you tell us your name? <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
I am Destiny's dad. That's my name. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, I was practicing in private practice and uh, mental health counseling uh, for a number of years. Well, we'll see, eighteen years. Um, I always would go by L.A. Candace. Um, I guess you can look at that as two ways. My first name is Lavazius. Middle <laughs> name is Antonius, so I just made it short, L.A. Candace. Um, so that's who I am. Um, glad to be with you all this morning uh, to come conversate on the goodness of God and uh, how we are to continue these days. Would you like to share three things that you're grateful for with us? Oh, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit can't go wrong. <laughs> Everything else follows that. <laughs> Amen. So today we are going to be talking about mental, mental health. health. Oh yeah. my goodness. I... I truly believe that um, this is a topic that we can't stress enough, especially in our last days with so many things that's going on. And we know with COVID, how many people, you know, were affected by it. So I believe it's a topic that we truly need. As it says, we got to renew our mind on a day to day basis. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So um, Brother Candice, he. He will be talking to us about it. And um, first, I would like to ask Destiny, like, how how do you view, like, um, mental health, you know, culturally when you were growing up? What was it like for you? I mean, I don't think I really thought about mental health until my dad went back to school for it. That was probably when I was like, what, eight or nine? And I... I don't know. I didn't really think about it growing up. It wasn't a thing. So, I mean, even now, obviously, it's it's more, there's more awareness. And I think I have a positive attitude towards mental health. I mean, I am studying um, something in the counseling field. So I would hope <clears throat> that that it would be um, a good <laughs> a good um, opinion of it. And as far as as far as culturally, like I said, it wasn't really a thing when growing up. Uh, I don't remember anything about it really until maybe I got into my teenage years. I think uh, vivid memories of that. But even then, if we want to talk specifically about like black people, it wasn't really a thing among black people, especially like um, black youths, because it wasn't a thing for their parents. So they didn't know either. But what about you? I could definitely say the same that in our culture, it wasn't um, a thing. And many times we we would even see like if you're crying, they're like, yeah, idiot. Where I cry for, you know, stuff like that. Like it wasn't something that was that was discussed. I don't think it was something that was um, particularly known, you know, in our society. And I can say when I really became aware of mental health or, you know, fully like immersed into it was when 
I came to the United States. Um, yes, I started, you know, listening to faith building messages um, back home, you know, talking to myself in the mirror and, you know, stuff like that. But I can't say it was something that we knew about really or that was discussed in our, um, in our families or even in our university settings. So, yeah. Uh, guest, do you have anything to add to that? How how was it for you um, growing up, or when did you first become aware of something called mental health? I think for the most part, um, I, when I um, I did a lot of therapy with um, children and adults, rather. Uh, but one of the biggest things I would always tell people. Um, who knew that our parents were a uh, mental health counselor? Mm. Um, they say, think before you act. Uh, you want to think about that before you do it? <laughs> um, and that's basically what life is about. Um, one of the things I would tell individuals, um, thinking, feeling, and doing, you know, if we don't have the right mindset, um, to really just grasp what is going on in our life, that's what causes so much of our um, emotional unbalance. Mm -hmm. um, like many times, there are so many people that will do things purely out of emotions instead of just thinking about what is really going on. But I think just for that, just growing up, how you know, my parents always taught us that there's rules, um, God giving us rules, Ten Commandments. Um, um, just all of that just growing up. I, I think for me, for the most part, um, I didn't know anything about mental health or anything. I had um, worked at an agency or was a maintenance supervisor at a housing authority for about local housing authority for about 10 years and um i actually quit college the first time um when i got out of high school and little did i know um the classes that i was taking then was psychology sociology uh, humanities all of those classes that i had taken and i had no idea about mental health then <laughs> But actually, those classes that I'd taken originally um, was when I did go back to um, school, as Destiny said, um, they were still there. <laughs> and so I didn't have yeah. to take those over. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was interesting that, um, um, that when I was led down that field, um, at that time, I had uh, developed bilateral carpal tunnel. And I had to, uh, the bosses, the agency said, oh, you can't do this work anymore. The state said, hey, you got to find another field. So I just asked God what field should I go into because it was always brought up um, around the uh, environment of the helping field, right. uh, being a service to somebody else. I had... Um, have two aunties and or aunts, however you want to say it, in Alabama that um, 
I grew up in Alabama, right outside Tuskegee, between Montgomery. And they were teachers. And uh, one is a teacher, one was a social worker, actually. And that was kind of like the environment um, that I grew up in, um, just always trying to help individuals. Um, and I think you said childhood. I can tell you one of the um, earliest people is my mom. I remember my mom, <laughs> we grew up in the project, and one of the things she would always do is, like, give things to other people. <laughs> and I was like, why you always give things to me? We need stuff. Right. But um, I think the aspect she was, or what she was trying to show is that there's someone else that needs something more than we do. Right. So I just remember those times growing up like that as well. And like I said, I didn't know... Um, at that time, what field to go into. I think I had looked into sonography. I think that was something where they do like the medical thing, ultra. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ultrasound so stuff? Okay. Yeah, that was so competitive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm this older guy going back to school. And uh, I remember people in the ch- in my church, in the church, I would say, oh, you should uh, go and be a minister. You should. I remember uh, a couple of people say you should do like Gideon did with the fleas. <laughs> right? I, I even had my my aunts from Alabama. Um, uh, they call and say, "Hey, why don't you go into and be a minister?" Um, now I didn't want to be a minister because ministers they have to move too much. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> and I say, Lord, I don't want to not do Your will. Right. <laughs> it's for me to do it. Um, allow me to do it. So um, not, Lord, to, not to cut you, but what had confirmed that this was the field for you? You know, because you said they were encouraging you to throw it to fleas like um, Gideon. Oh, that's what I was. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Oh, so okay. I, I first had to get it right for God because I didn't want it to be one of those things where God is trying to tell you something. Right. But we we are just resisting and then he's going to keep picking you over and over till you get it right. And, and so but he listened to my prayer. And um, some kind of way, um, he he led me to the counseling and human service field at um, at the local community college here in Hillsborough, Hillsborough Community College. And um, I remember when I got into that class, um, and it was an evening class geared mainly towards older adults or people who was working. And was just trying to get back into college. But I remember one of the first things that the the doctor who was over the program had said, um, that one of the great things about this program, it gears you towards um, becoming a licensed mental health therapist. Mm-hmm. And in the state of Florida, he was just talking about that you don't have to go and get your doctorate degree. And even people with their doctorate degree have to go through um this Florida curriculum that mostly everybody have to do go through. Um so I, I think that there's really I was just really onto it then because uh I just think that God gave me the ability to talk. I'm I'm not an eloquent speaker, but I think the the empathy, the sincerity that people feel when they hear you talk. And I think that's one of the things that God um, kind of carried on with me uh, from that because I I 
didn't know, but I, I noticed even when we would do things in class or even when I was, uh, people would listen to my voice or listen to when I say something. And, and I thought that's nothing but the power of God, but uh, I just knew that that was the feel. And, and at that time, one of my prayers was as well, was to open up my own private practice. Right. And that's what God did with me for seven years. Wow. See, there are so many testimonies just <laughs> right in this um, snippet that you gave us. Um, what um, you mentioned about your not having to get a doctorate degree, but what exactly was your degree in? Um, well, I, I went to a, I, I was, um, um, I, I, I don't know, I, I guess I should tell uh, this here. Um, I've been so-called or pretty much retired. I've been um, disabled since November 2019 uh, with progressive MS. Um, but um, one of the biggest things is, is that... Um, uh, I'm sorry, I have a question. Uh, no, I had asked um, what you said that you didn't have to get a doctorate, but what um, exactly was your degree in and like your oh, specialty oh, and everything? Oh, uh, just a side note um, for um, uh, individuals with progressive MS, sometimes the cognition is not there. You get things or sometimes you forget what you just said right. um, so uh, that was one thing that I found out um, uh, I guess we didn't mention that uh, ordained elder in our church and I remember my wife would always tell me that uh, you know you didn't complete the story or you didn't <laughs> tell that and you know my wife would tell me that, that all the time over the years and I said oh yeah even when we would do Bible study in the evening, I would do um, with the with church. And um, that was one thing that I had forgotten. I said, oh, man, I, I thought I finished it. Right. So that was one of the things. And so um, uh, that's what kind of took me. But one of the things, I um, the two-year degree at HCC was in counseling and human services. And um, one of the things I, I believe I was just, you know, with the disease of MS, they don't know where it comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, they, the medication that's so expensive a month, uh, they sent a note saying, we don't know if this is helping MS. So I thought that was something, but you're going to charge me uh, $4,000. But anyway, um, yeah, that was one of the things. I believe one of the things, you know, Destiny mentioned when I went back to school, she was eight or nine, she said. But when I went back to school in that counseling and human service program, I was working uh, 40 hours and plus I was doing three to four classes a week. And you I was were working full time? Yes. And in that particular class, you had to do like these, uh, what they call practicums or intern yeah uh, you had to go at a agency and um, do a certain amount of hours a week at that agent agency and so I did that 
were like, uh, I actually went through the program in two years. Uh, I think it was like the two and a half, three year program. But one of the things I would, I would do is, um, I was, um, like a crazy person. I would take, um, uh, four and five classes over the summer. Um, I would, uh, just take whatever class, because what I was doing is gearing up from that counseling and human service program. Uh, it was a two year degree, but it was agreed that you could carry to any of the, um, universities like USF came aboard and they had a program. Uh, it was called the behavioral health program. Uh, I went to USF for like a year and a half for my bachelor's. Um, and that it was at the Florida, what they used to call the Florida Mental Health Institute. I think now it's called the Behavioral um, College of Behavioral Science now. Uh, but that's what I did there. Uh, but the intern that I've done for that two-year degree, I didn't have to do for my bachelor's degree. Um, and so after, now here's the thing, my plan was to, to go straight and get the, um, uh, master's degree, um, they have a wonderful program there, master's degree in, um, counseling and rehabilitation. Uh, that was the master's program that you go through the state, whether you want to get licensed or not. And they also had where you can be going to track to be a licensed, um, marriage, um, and family therapist as well. So that was my goal to go straight for that. But um, I actually waited a year and a half because I was just so burnt out from the classes and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. 40-hour work week plus another, what, internship. That's sold two jobs, (laughs) even though it was free, like, labor. But, you know, Yeah, and that was the thing. I, I think that's probably... Um, um, like I say, they don't know really what MS, but I think, you know, when we don't have proper rest, sleep, eat healthy, uh, our mind and stuff, our body is not functioning correctly. Um, I do think that that was probably part that really attributed to, um, the MS and everything that I have. Um, the I, mind you, as I said, when we talk to the neurologist, I, probably had MS for we're thinking the past 10 maybe 12 years and did mm-hmm. not even know it mm-hmm. um, I was diagnosed in 2019 but at that time I was at the most worst stage that you could be at um, so that's how I got on that track with that though but I just had to reflect I think a lot of that did contribute to that I would still do the same thing for the master's program I, I would work 40 hours. I, I was at a, um, a large substance abuse agency uh, where I worked there for like 14 years. Um, I, I didn't know anything. I started out as a behavioral health tech just to get some experience in the field. I remember I would take um, overnight shift just to um, take the classes and stuff that I wanted and also work 40 hours plus do the, the internship. But um, I I went with the, I was at that agency close to uh, I think it was about fourteen so years. I um like I said I started basically at the bottom behavior health tag. 
um, eventually with degrees and stuff, moved up to counselor, supervisor, program manager. Um, I was, before I left there, um, over the years, I was director of several programs uh, that they had for the agency. Uh, what I did do uh, after the, I started private practice uh, about seven years ago, and I um, I was going to go out and just do private practice alone because the Lord was just blessing so much. And, and you know, the thing was that that same prayer that I, I prayed way back then, and, you know, God never forgets. Uh, we know that. And um, but I just reminded God, God, you say you would do this. And that's what God wants us to do is hold him uh, to his word, yeah. hold him to his promises. And. And that's what God did. Uh, God blessed the um, private practice. Um, and so at that time, I was like, oh, man, I told my wife, I'm just going to do this full time. Uh, at the time, I was still working for the other agency. Now, I, now here's the stupid thing I did. <laughs> I, I stopped. I, I went from going to class and working 40 hours to having two jobs working 40 hours. And then I would still have my private practice where I would get off like five and would be there till like eight, eight thirty in the evening. Um, and so that's what, but here's the thing about that, what God did, you know, one of my favorite texts is Malachi 310. It says, God, if we return a faithful tithe and offering to the Lord, he will open the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And, you know, just, just being faithful to God and what God did, that my private practice was making just as much money as a 40-hour job. Right. And I was working less than 20 hours uh, at my private practice. Uh, what it was, Lord had, God had blessed it so that I had, um, I was um, contracted with the local hospital here. I, I did the EAP services, uh, that's employee assistant program, where if anybody, family member, whoever of the company, if um, themselves, family member, uh, someone needed some counseling or something, they would refer to the agency. I was contracted with also um, Aetna and Humana. Um, I was a large... Um, substance abuse and addiction um, provider for the state as well. So that was by far my biggest um, patience that I had at my private practice. But that was just the goodness and the blessings of God. And um, uh, what I always tell people, you know, you have to dedicate yourself. You have to dedicate uh, whatever you're doing to the Lord. And that's what I had done with the practice. When I, I remember when we first got into um, my first office, um, I just asked God for his anointing to be over it. But not so much to, to preach the gospel message to the people, but be a vessel that he right. can use to he bring use. people to Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we, um, sometimes as Christians, we think we have to tell people so much about Jesus or God. What about just being that inviting presence, that spirit, um, um, 
just opening the door, saying hello to someone. And, you know, that will open up so much. And that's where people come in. They're going to remember that. And, and that's what God did. God allowed it to be a safe place, a welcoming place for people to come, even those who are resistant. Um, hey, no, my thing was I asked God, Lord, don't send anybody here that don't want to be here. Um, and, you know, God answered that prayer. You know, and the people that didn't, I may have had over the years, uh, the seven years, probably three, maybe five people that just refused not to come there. And, you know, you do have some prejudices out there. There are some uh, naturally in the field where people won't come to you. Uh, I was a male, but I did have, I hired a, um, another licensed person to help me um, that I supervising at another agency um a female uh, there are people that don't want to come to males uh, they're specifically asked for a, male, a female therapist uh, there are people who don't want to come to you just because of your skin color right. um, and at my practice um when people would go on to the website they would see that we offer christian counseling as well um and that was one of the things if you Google counseling in Plant City, that would be one of the first thing that uh, came up. Not necessarily that we, uh, you know, one of the things I would tell people when counseling was how uh, I believe in, and as say, the three F's, um, think of F's as being bad for us reports and stuff, but uh, I always was big on um uh, faith, family, and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, because if we don't have those consistent in our lives, that's where a lot of individuals become unbalanced uh, in whatever their endeavors in life. Mm-hmm. So something you mentioned there, that kind of takes us into, I guess, the second part of our conversation and what your views are on mental health in the church and your thoughts on um, some people thinking just because you're um, going to a counselor, you don't, you're saying that you don't um, need Jesus or that Jesus isn't enough. Now, you know, one of the things, um, you know, it, it was it matter. You know, one of the things that God afforded me was to be able to talk with individuals from all nations. I mean, I really talked to a lot of people from um, different backgrounds, Middle Eastern um, um, people. You think who say they don't believe in God? Um, um, people who. Um, come in and say, tell you, to tell you point blank, oh, you know, I don't want to talk about God and, and all of this and that. Um, but one of the things is, is the advertisement that was there just to let people know that Christian counsel, just to kind of clarify that before I answer that question, is that when I was advertising Christian counseling, because believe it or not, many people, even the ones who say they're an, are atheists, or they're agnostic, they don't believe, or whatever it may be, but they have some type of background where they've gone to church or know about God. And most of the time, they had some type of bad experience or, 
you just have people just want to say, oh, no, I, I believe that, you know, we all, we're in control of our own destiny and stuff. Um, I remember this guy who came to me, uh, was talking about he was a, uh, atheist and, um, and, uh, he started talking and I said, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to put any Christian counseling on you, but, you know, that is a part of, of what we do here, not necessarily, but just let you know how that is a, a positive resource for you in your life. Um, one of the things were this man came back to me weekly just to talk, and he knew that I, because sometimes uh, being a minister or, or talking to people so much about God, Sometimes when people say something, you're going to say amen. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you say that because that's a part of your lifestyle. And man, he said, oh, don't worry about that. I'm okay with that. And, you know, but the thing was, he came and he had a connection with that. Um, so when I say Christian counseling, it's for people not necessarily having Bible study, but just understanding that that is a positive resource for individuals when they have anxiety, when they have depression. Um, or even addiction in their life, um, uh, family problem, marriage problem. I did a lot of bereavement uh, when people lost loved ones and stuff, and I did a lot of family counseling at my practice, and, and that was one of the the strongholds of helping people to understand of how um, family, faith, family, and and friends, the resources, the connections we have in life can be a big part. Um, and, you know, I, I was so um, blessed by God as well. And, you know, all glory goes to him. I, I you know, even people with um, 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 their gender and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember this young individual came to me, uh, a young, young man. He was about probably 25. I remember him coming to me. He came to me for one thing, for addiction um, and substance abuse. But um, he came to me probably saying, hey, Mr. Candles, I, I, I want to have some private sections, sessions with you. And he came and said, you know, I'm a homosexual, right? I said, um, I, said I can tell by your mannerism that you probably. Um, and he said, yeah. He said, but my dad, my dad doesn't believe. Uh, he kind of disowns me. And, you know, I, I just told a young man, you know, hey, I say Christian, I believe in what your father believed, marriage between a male and a female. That's how God created us. And I say, that's where your father is, is having that thinking from. And, you know, he just sat there and nodded, shaking his head. And and um, then the man asked me, um, what I do um, counseling with he and his um, his partner, and I just thought I'm not competent to do that. <laughs> and so he said, "Okay." And then at the end of the session, the man comes back and asks me again. He said, "Will you just do that with?" It? I said, "No, I'm not competent to to do that type of counseling." But that's one of the things, uh, and that was what I'm saying is when you talk about counseling. You have to understand that we don't know whether this walk that this person has come from, but the main thing when it comes or when it relates to counseling is that you're there to 
give that individual your ear, your ear, and mm-hmm. allow them to understand that you're there to help them through the situation or whatever the problem that they're going through. And I think that's one of the biggest things that um, um, God afforded me to have. And, you know, when we talk about mental health in the church, um, that, that is a big stigma. Um, it is. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just think for gen- in general, you know, culturally, those are some issues that come up um, as a as a problem. Black individuals, African-Americans, um, go to counselor, you know, something wrong with you, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing is wrong with that because really, uh, as I say, it's talk therapy. It's a place where a person can come and get things off their mind, off their chest, so to speak, and not being judged for what they say or what they do, but they're there just really sometimes for people to listen. Um, I remember uh, when I first started counseling, I had this woman, she was sent through um, her insurance um, through EAP, so I think they authorized six sessions for her. And for the first two or three sessions, uh, she lost her daughter up in, uh, I think it was Ohio, and she was now taking care of her grandchildren from the daughter. Her daughter had committed suicide, and when she would come to me, her first thing would do is just cry all the time. She couldn't speak, and that's what I allowed her to do those first two or three sessions. I uh, just told her, it's okay, just get it out, because one of the things she said is that when I'm at home, I try to go to the bathroom and cry, but then they hear me. And she said, my husband, he told me, told her one time, aren't you over that yet? Or you got toughened up? And she said, I can't cry around the kids because I don't want that to get them um, emotionally upset and everything. And so when she came to see me, that was like the place she could really do that. Right. And, uh, and that was her thing in coming in the beginning. Just this place where she could just be and just release all of the, the tension, anxiety, whatever was going on in her life. Uh, but that was one of the biggest things that um, what I'm saying is we have to understand, even as a church or people of God, um, that God wants us to to be in good health. You know, that's what he, he says in, in the word, what is it, Third John 1, 2. He said, I hope that you prosper and be of good health. Mm-hmm. God wants the best for us. Um, but I, I think what happens is, like we're saying, the stigma and stuff that happens. Um, and, and many times when persons have spouses or something, they say, well, you got me. You don't need anybody else. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we were talking about, and it's the same thing for church. People mm-hmm. say, well, you got God. You got Jesus. Wow. Well, <laughs> Look at this now. That's, that's just like telling a pe- person that's come to you and saying that they're hungry, asking you for something, and you look at them and say, hey, pray to God. Did you help that person? Wow. You didn't help that person. You hope that by you giving them what they're asking, um, that you can mention, hey, this is what has helped me um, throughout life. It's just having a relationship with God. If that's what you're trying to do. Or, hey, have you have any friends? Have you have any um, family that you can connect to? 
uh, just trying to get them back established with that disconnection that they probably had in their lives and see. But for the church part, uh, I think we have to be mindful because, you know, um, you know, the Bible even tells us in First um, Thessalonians um, chapter 4, 18, and also in chapter 5, it says, comfort one another with these words. Um, you know, that was one thing that, you know, the people, the, the church was going through some heavy loss of loved ones at that time. And, and um, the brethren was um, telling, hey, be cheerful. Because, you know, as Christians, when we individuals die, you know, we believe that they just are asleep. And it's just as we wake up in the morning when Jesus called, called us forth that we're just waking up out of sleep. And, and that's what the brethren uh, was telling the people in Thessalonians, Thessalonians that, um, hey, you know, um, Jesus rose from the dead. You know, when he comes back, um, when we die in Christ, when we die in God, uh, we will be lifted up with him. Uh, whether we're alive or whether we have died, God is going to take us back. Jesus is going to take us back with him. So that was one thing that the uh, the Bible talks about there. Um, and, you know, Ephesians 429 is, is one of my favorite uh, texts is what I tell people because we have so much problems with relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with family, job, where it may be. And, you know, that is my favorite, Ephesians 4.29. It says, you know, do not speak anything that is, is not healthy. Let that not come out of your mouth, something that is not, um, uh, that is unwholesome to the person. But um, only that's what is helpful in building the person up according to their needs, um, that it may benefit. The um, listener, and so mm -hmm. God is telling us all through that how we communicate with one another, how we comfort one another when there is loss. Um, um, one of the another one is um, I tell people about Matthew chapter six. You know, God tells us in that. You know, at first Jesus is telling us how to pray to the Father, our Father, and He's telling you about things in life, and God is telling you if if I care about the birds of the air, the, the grass of the field. And, and, you know, one of my favorite texts I grew up with was Matthew 6, 33. I said, seek you first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Uh, but one of the most important things in that, in that chapter is God says, basically saying, you're made in my image. Don't you think I know these things that you, you need and I care for you? So God is wanting us to rely on him, you know, cast our cares upon him. He says, well, he cares for us. And we just have to believe in what God is telling us. But so many times we want to take things um, in our control. Mm -hmm. you know, we've all heard the word of how uh, we pray to God, we give it to God, but then we take it right back from God. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's what we do. And, you know, many times when we have people that are talking about anxiety and depression, uh, it's about the what? Cares of life. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be some type of job. It can be the family members, something like it can be a spouse, their children. And But God gives us direction 
in his word of how we are to handle that. Um, was the, the commandment, the fifth commandment. Um, the Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother, um, that our days may be long upon the land. Um, you know, when I was talking to those little knucklehead, hardhead <laughs> kids, you know, I, I let them know. I said, you know, we have rules in life. <laughs> and I said, you go to school, you go to home, you got rules, but God has given us rules as well. And, and you know, that's one of the things that we have to understand as a society, we are not made to do what we want to do. Now, we have the choice to right. do what we want to do, mm-hmm. but we're not made to do it. We were only created for one thing, and that's to give God glory. Uh, and so our God wants the best for us. That's why he wants us to grow together inside the church. You know, you're going to find people in the church um, that are, you know, Paul talks about um, envy, strife, jealousy, um, all of those things, anger, uh, those emotions, all of that is what God talks about. Uh, so he wants the best for us. And so many times we, we try to pull God out of our daily health and the devil wants us to think that we can do it alone. I don't know. That was really good. And I think I think one of the main things I like um, out of the scripture you say is where we pretty much edify each other. You know, the same way we were comforted, we comfort each other. We 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 um, encourage persons along the way. And I feel like that ties in to say that um, it's OK to go to a therapist um, to talk about, you know, your issues that you can't necessarily talk about with your spouse or, you know, talk about it to your children or your friends. And it's OK. And as you say, with with counseling and therapy, it, it provides that, you know, safe place that somebody can come and just just to cry because they can't just crying because we know how therapeutic crying, you know, is. Just to have that place, just to do that. Mm-hmm. And I really like how you connected it with the word of God. So it's not saying that, oh, this is something that fell that out has of to the be sta- separate. Right? Mm-hmm. We can have Jesus and therapy and it is okay. It doesn't mean that we don't believe in God. Because just and, and like how just like how he provided you as a vessel to be used um, where you can help and encourage someone, it's the same way, you know. So is it saying that Brother Candice doesn't believe in Jesus because he's a counselor? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's um, just, I, don't, I think both of those things meet well in you as a person because you are like a worker or a volunteer for the church and then an, an ordained really elder in the church and then you are also a counselor so that the fact that you feel that God called you to do this is proof that Jesus and counseling don't have to conflict right and, and, and that is the biggest thing you know um, one of my favorite texts that I love is Isaiah 43, 10. God says that you're my witness. Mm-hmm. And, and God is basically saying to show them that I am God. And there will nobody be like me. Besides me, you have no other savior. Um, and, and, you know, when I was doing, uh, when I say Christian counseling, when I, when I was doing counseling, 
even at my practice, and even in the church when I would do like the little seminars or, or, or um, talks at, at the church, is just to let people know that um, God is going to bring us where we need to be. You know, our thing should not be like, oh, I got to come and or go out and tell these people about God, about Jesus. Um, when we ask God to use us as his vessels or to, and that's what he wants us to do. Um, God is going to bring the person to you mm-hmm. who needs to hear his word. Um, one of the things, um, um, you know, as a licensed therapist, you know, you, your goal is not to try to direct someone um, to any specific religion or anything, right. but you are to help them where they need to be. Uh, let them know that, you know, one of the biggest thing I would always tell people is I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. And one of the things is I can tell you everything that you need to do right. But until that person believe in themselves and see that they need to make a change, it is no matter. I can tell them they need God. I can tell them they can do this. Deep breathing. I can tell them this about assertive communication. <laughs> it does nothing to the person who's using drugs. To the better um, uh, spouse or partner, I can tell you, you need to leave that person. They know they need to leave that person, but it's about until that person understands that they need to make that change, that's when the real process happens in therapy. Um, when I would see individuals, I would let them know that, hey, um, I would listen to them, whatever they want to talk about the first uh, one or two sessions. But after that, I'll let them know we're not going to keep talking about this problem. We're going to be more solution focused. Uh, what do I need to do to change this problem? You know, when I was talking to couples or uh, people who was in marriage, I would let them know that, hey, so many times we want to point out what the other person is doing, what she needs to do right, what he needs to do right. How about even when I'm not wrong? What do I need to do differently to help this relationship or the situation? And, and, you know, that just goes back to showing us who God is in our lives. The Bible says, why we were yet sinners? You know, God still loved us. God still died for us through his son. And that's what we have to understand as well, um, that we have to stop this fault finding. You know, the devil doesn't want us to communicate. Because, you know, we communicate with one another. Um, we're going to change. We're going to be problem solvers. And so his thing is for us to just keep thinking about these daily problems, this daily thing. And, you know, one of the things I would tell uh, some of the young people who are cutters, uh, what did that cutting do for you? And I say nothing. Uh, it didn't change the situation. It didn't change the problem. Whatever it may be. And they see that. This is just a repeated cycle. And so now we need to do something uh, differently, change. Uh, and it's the same thing whether you're in the church or not. Um, people come and say that they're about God and getting closer to God. But yet instead they come for a show, come to hear a specific thing or come to see something. Um, but we should be oriented towards coming together as a people helping one another. And as I tell so many people, uh, you can't come in this field 
if you're really truly not in the uh, mindset of really being a servant or helping individuals, um, whether in the church or not, <laughs> um, uh, you do it because you like uh, seeing others uh, understand their potential, see what they can accomplish, um, not necessarily by depending on others, but you do your part first. And that's all I tell people. You do your part. Um, you know, one of our, our things in the household is, you know, we all want to make it to heaven as a family. But guess what? Each of us got to do our part individually to make it to heaven. And, and that's what we have to understand, that individually, whether it's a job, if I'm having a problem with someone, if I'm in the church, if I'm having a problem with some, someone, we have to communicate. Uh, we have to put down stigmas and, and all of this and that. Um, I think one of the biggest things were, you know, um, males, many males don't come to counseling. Uh, people would drag the the spouses or whatever would drag their husbands in there or bribe them pretty much. <laughs> but then when they got inside there, they see that by talking, things change. So that's where the stigma comes from uh, when we talk about the church as well. Um, but God definitely wants the best for us, and, and he tells us that. And, you know, one of my favorite texts as well is Matthew 11, 28 through 30, when Jesus said, come unto me. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're, you're worrying, you're, you're burdened down. He said, don't do that. Give it to me. Um, learn of me. Take my yoke upon you. And, and Jesus said, I, I will give you rest, the best rest you can ever have. And so that lets us know how God is truly uh, interested in our mental health, mm-hmm. our well-being how we think, how we feel, um, and the behavior that comes from that. Uh, What the Bible says in, uh, I think it's 2 Corinthians 3.18, that by beholding, we become changed. Mm -hmm. Uh, The more we have positive in our life, the more we have God in our life, the more we have positive relationships in our lives, um, we're going to be a healthier person, uh, whether you believe in God or not. Uh, that is true throughout life. Um, and that was the connection just to try to let individuals know um, that, first of all, you have to take care of yourself and and um, forget about, you know, many people say, oh, well, you know, I, I'm coming here because of my, my um, children or I'm doing this. But no one ever sees the most important thing in life is yourself. There is no you with family. There is no you uh, if you don't um, take care of your family, if you take care of yourself to have that job. Um, and so that's what we have to understand is taking care of self is number one. That's not being selfish. Right. That's just understanding in order to function in this life, I have to be stable mentally, physically, uh, whatever you may want to say about that. But it's about taking care of you. They have a right mind. You can't pour from an empty cup, right? <clears throat> um, have you battled with depression before? Have I battled depression? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think all of us have been depressed. Um, you know, um, you know, why? I, I, I would have to say one of the biggest things is. Um, 
when I was first diagnosed with MS, um, you know, many of my say, oh man, you had it good. You had, aren't you mad? Um, you know, there was time when I was like, man, what is going on? I think for me, when I, and many people, like some of my um, friends, colleagues may say, oh man, aren't you mad? Or, no, I'm not mad because I know that you know, the Bible says, Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. And as I said before, I know where God has, has what he is doing for me and what he continues to do for me. Um, but at the same time, there are moments uh, we may have like this saddened or depressed uh, mood. But I have always said, uh, even in the church I, I attend, is that uh, as Christians, we should not stay in a state of depression um, because I believe if we are true worshipers of God, we know too much about Jesus, too much about God to stay depressed. You know, the same words that um, the scriptures that I talked to you about um, today that I would kind of like tell people about, uh, those are the same words that God brings to my mind, mm-hmm. to have stability in life. You know, one of my favorite ones is, is when I, I was diagnosed with um, MS, um, was Psalms 119, 49 and 50. It, was, it talks about remember your servants. Uh, may your words comfort me in my affliction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and God is telling us that, that he is still going to be with us. Uh, I remember... Um, when I uh, I knew something was wrong, and when they say the stigma, men don't go to the doctor, <laughs> I was like one of those fools. <laughs> uh, I hadn't been to the doctor in eight years uh, because I was in the mindset, hey, I feel good, nothing is wrong. Mm-hmm. But here's the most the stupidest thing that I could ever do. Now, I was still on my yard and everything, and my yard went from mowing in 20 minutes, I was just pushing on my yard, went from 20 minutes to 30 minutes to 40 minutes to 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I started falling down when I was mowing the yard. And then um, my wife would see me like stumble. And I I would just bust, oh, I'm just working too much or I just need some rest. Didn't get any sleep. And what it was, now, all over those years, um, those were signs of the <laughs> relapsing yeah. or remittance, the first stages of um, MS. And I had no idea because when I would be on a, I had this stationary bike, um, that Kaiser bike, it's made like a regular bike, don't have that heavy flywheel on it. I remember I would uh, get on that and exercise. Uh, I would do 10 miles in the morning and 10 miles in the evening. Uh, in 30 minutes, I was feeling great. And I would get on the treadmill. But one of the things, when I would get on the treadmill, my all of a sudden, my right leg just started dragging. Mm-hmm. And I would have to start holding on. When I would get off the bike, uh, all of a sudden, my leg just started trembling like crazy, my right leg. And I just thought maybe I just overdid it. My wife kept saying, you need to go to the doctor. Now, this was probably around the summer, June or something. I still didn't go to the doctor. You know when I went to the doctor? That was in March 
of 2019. And, um, and um, they didn't know what was wrong. They thought maybe I had a pinched nerve because I told them I can have the greatest sleep. But then um, I would just wake up in the morning feeling so tired. My legs would be burning, be feeling like numb-like. And uh, I said, oh, you got pinched nerve. And they did the MRI on my back. They said, your back is fine. They were like, thinking that I was just making up stuff, trying to get disability. I told these people, I love what I do. Right. I, was, I was working for a local clinic here. Actually, I got the program started there. They actually came and recruited me to open up the program for the clinic. There's like nine or so clinics in the Hillsborough County area here. And they wanted mental health to be a part of it. And God allowed them to come in as the medical director came to my practice and met with me. And um, he, he said, oh, man, I like this. And um, actually, I was the, got the program started, the only counselor. And before I left, we ended up having four counselors. And we were having counseling sessions at, um, uh, I think it was five or six of the uh, facilities. Uh, but that was one of the things that was happening uh, was didn't know about what MS. And so we neglect our physical health. So because, you know, as men, the stigma that we're all right. right. And sure enough, I remember telling my my boss, who was the medical director of the clinic, I say, uh, I'm sorry, I haven't been coming. I was supposed to be meeting him once a month to talk about the program and everything. And um, I say, I'm sorry I didn't uh, meet with you for the past couple of months, but for some reason, I'm not able to walk sometime or I'll stumble or fall up against him. So I haven't, and he said, oh, Tony, I'm so sorry, but it sounds like you have MS. And sure enough, um, when I went to the medical direct, I mean, medical PCP, he didn't know what he was doing. Uh, he thought I had. And, and so they was just writing me off. And so one of the um, doctors I was working with at the clinic, because it was all like an apartment health program and the doctors, and he said, Tony, you should ask to go to a neurologist. Mm-hmm. And I, I went and went to the neurologist, and as soon as I walked in there, he knew what was wrong with me. Yeah. But one of the biggest things was when he, the neurologist called me, he said, I'm going to send you to go get a... Uh, MRI of your brain. Mm-hmm. I say MRI of my brain. It says it just kind of rules out. But he wasn't really telling me then. And then the man like called me the next week. I was on my lunch break. He said, "Mr. Candace, you need to go into the hospital immediately." And um, I say, "For what?" And he said, "You have ten to twelve lesions on your brain. Uh, that is what's causing you not to move and for you not to function." And, you know, that's your brain. That's like the nerve center of what we do, who we are. And uh, I was telling him, man, I got patients to see at the clinic, and I got to see people tonight. And he said one key thing. He said, how are you going to help someone and you need help yourself? Mm-hmm. And that's what I will always tell people to uh, keep themselves healthy. And I went there. I was in there for about a week. And um, I remember... Um, that's why I tell so many people to really, you know, our society wants to get rid of God, but God is who we are. We're made in his image. And 
when I say I love the Lord and, and the Bible says, the word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And, you know, when I was um, in the hospital and, you know, people was coming in, because that was just strange. I think it scared my wife and my daughter and them. They never seen me down or anything. So they just, and everybody was coming in and other people. I said, no, don't come in here with that. This is not the place for that. And, you know, I just started speaking the word of God to them. And I remember one of the couple of sisters from the church and 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 some of the elders they came there and they were saying um, about my faith and, and wanted to say, Elder, we coming in to cheer you up and let you know, but you're the one encouraging us. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that's when you have the word of God in you, that's what's going to come out. Um, even when I was there, the um, chaplain was going around to see people. And so he finally made his way to me, and I was happy to see him. And he started telling me about God, and, and when I started talking to him back about Jesus and God, and the man looked at me, and he said, you don't need me. And he said, and you know that man did not come back to see me. Oh, and I was wow. kind of disappointed. Right. Because he could have came in there, and we could have continued to talk about right. the Lord. But the point is, is that, we have to understand that we have to have uh, the balance. God calls for us to have in life. We shouldn't overwork ourselves. We shouldn't think that. Uh, I, and one of my things was is that, you know, we think that we're doing so much good, but even that good thing can cause you to have health issues. And, and that's what we have to be temperate in what we do. Uh, don't overdo things. Um, but um, certainly, uh, that was one of Jesus' main thing is for people um, to be in good health. You know, Jesus healed people mentally and physically. Uh, and then he started telling them most times about uh, this is the way walking in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have to understand that we have to be on the same page with individuals when we're talking about uh, mental health or their well-being. And most times, it's just uh, allowing the person to understand that you're there to listen to them, to understand what they're feeling, understand what they're going through, and that we're going to work on this together. And it's not about religion. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I answered you all. <laughs> sure, yeah, <laughs> you did. You answered you answer a lot of stuff, right? Actually. <laughs> But I guess before we wrap it up. My wife always told me I love to talk and I talk too much. So <laughs> I said, well, I was in the right field. Yeah. I used to always say I'm going to be counseling till I'm 80 years old. Oh, well, I guess God saw the plans. <laughs> well, I guess you still, in a offhand way, still help people that you that call you, talk to right. you, um, family, friends. All of those, yeah. and even now, yeah. even you're now still you're on it. our podcast, sharing with us. You could have said no, you know. I always have that fear that you know, you could have said no. 
Like, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that part you said. No, I'm, I'm saying that you could have said no, but here you are on our podcast, you know, sharing with us about mental health. These are the this message is going to reach like so many other people, you know, not just both of us. We are just edifying right, you know, in this moment, but so many other persons that are downloading our podcast. So just know that your work is not yet done. <laughs> You're still, you know, doing, you know, two stories. You know, when I was at the clinic and I and I worked with the um, ministers, I know y'all probably got to go. Um, but when I was, I mean, when I was working with the uh, doctors, but one of them was, uh, I'm going to say his name, Dr. Fraser. He and I became good friends from the moment I, I started there. Um, but one of the things, you know, uh, Dr. Fraser would refer people uh, to me like crazy and the people would come there. I remember one particular woman came in and she said, um, you don't have to um, um, persuade me to come see you. She said, Dr. Frazier had already told me how wonderful you are. And, um, and, 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 you know, that was just how it was. It was just genuinely. Uh, but one of the things he said to me, and I didn't know that was to be the last time I would see him, uh, but he knew how my condition was worsening. And he told me, he said, Tony, one thing, don't forget what you tell the people, you have it in yourself as well. And I told him that will always be, and that's what God would do. Uh, and that's why I believe as Christians, um, we cannot stay in this state of depression uh, because we know too much about God. God said, give it to him. And, and as, as I tell people, if you're in that state of mind, you are trying to take control of something that you have no control over. Yeah. Um, God is asking you to just give it to him. And that was my whole point and, and just letting people understand uh, from a Christian standpoint. And as Christians, uh, we should be uplifted in the presence of God. We should walk about like we're in heaven's atmosphere uh, because we are. Uh, we should understand as Christians, when we were baptized in the faith. When we named the name of Jesus, we proclaimed God and the Holy Spirit, that we are in heavenly places. Now, when Jesus said, be ye perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Um, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, but Christ lives in me. So we should understand, and as it says in 1 Corinthians 6, that uh, we were bought with a price. This body of mind is not my own. So God's whole focus is for us to understand that he wants to dwell in us as the temple, not some building, but we are his temple. He wants to transform us uh, that we may be in his mind, in his character. And we should walk around on this earth today as though we are living in heaven now. Um, but at the moment, we're just distanced from God as far as seeing and talking to him face to face. But one day, we're going to have that eternity with him if we continue to be the children he's called us again these last days. Amen. That's good. But we have, I think, one more question. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Because, you know, um, especially right now with so many, you know, with COVID happening, so many jobs being lost, you know, 
what what are some resources that we can point in our listeners to say they don't have the finances to seek a counselor or a therapist at this moment? What are some resources that we could point them to, you know, just to stir them to have that mental health, you know? Um, improve well, I can organic. say, um, I, I'm going to um, name the place. I, I worked at Sun Coast Community Health Centers um, for close to five years. As I said, that was the mental health program. And those are some people, uh, the therapists that are actually there are, well, I know they probably got some more now. But, uh, three of the therapists there was individuals that I hired there. But those are, at Sun Coast Community Health Centers, they they have, uh, and I'm mentoring them because those are some wonderful people. Uh, from the CEO to the COO, all of them. Uh, but they have uh, facilities in Lakeland. They have the clinic here in um, Plant City. They have it in Dover, Tampa, um, the Brandon area, and also the Nova Sassa. And um, those places, they can just call um they can just go and, and ask. Uh, they do have it set up now where you don't necessarily have to be a patient there. Or they was trying to mainstream that to where you don't have to be a patient there to receive the mental health counseling. Because when the program first got started, the individuals were referred from their primary care physician. Um, it could have been your, um, your ophthalmologist there or your dentist there, any uh, provider. Uh, but now they're trying to, especially for children, to come there uh, without uh, having services there with the primary care. But that is one place, um, one place for individuals uh, because they work on a sliding or um, um, the um, um, indigent individuals. Uh, they're going to have it based on, and they're not going to turn you away as well. You need services. They're going to find a way to make sure you receive the services that you need. Also, you know, a facility um, that I worked at for those 14 DACO, um, that was the Drug Abuse uh, Coordinating Center over in Tampa. They used to have an office here in Plant City, but that was a place, too, that individuals can go to. Um, and also, um, many, I would always refer individuals to, um, um, the crisis center, two one one. You just dial two one one in Hillsborough County. Individuals can call up to the crisis center. They can talk to individuals if they're having suicidal or they're having some type of issues in life, and they have licensed individuals there, the therapists that they can talk to as well. Uh, for the individuals that live in Polk County, uh, one of the uh, places I would refer people to there is uh, Peace River. Um, Priest River is a, is a facility there that individuals can get connected to. But I think one of the uh, main things is, is if someone is having any kind of uh, um, life challenges or whatever, they can always call the um, local authorities. So you can call the police officer. Um, police officers can march and ask someone. Uh, march and ask is mainly... Uh, for um, substance abuse and addiction, uh, but also they can get them connected into the person uh, have to be Baker Act. That's for some type of mental health issue as well. But they can call their local police department or someone like that as well. So 
episode full of good facts and gems and stories and we thank you so much for agreeing to do this with us um is there any final thought that you would like to give to everyone um i I think for the most part you know many people think that um and i'm just saying one of the things when you're talking about you're talking about going into the field I just always let people understand as a therapist that I'm no different from you. I'm just more stable at this time than you are. <laughs> and that's where we're trying to get to because any of us can have um, some type of life-challenging situation mm-hmm. uh, that can cause us to, to go downward or spiral down. Uh, but we always have to understand where our resources, where our strongholds in life, to help us get back to uh, where we need to be. And like I said, if it wasn't for the three Fs, my, my faith, my family, uh, and friends, um, no, I, I, I think we all have to have that we're not in this alone. Um, we have to have those things in our life. Um, to just try to be um, the best we can be um, in serving God and serving others. Uh, that's what it's about uh, being a help to some other person. So, so definitely, that is my, one of my biggest takeaways. And just um, many times we listen to friends or we think we're having a conversation with individuals. Um, we should always try to give people our attention as much as possible and let the individual know that uh, we're listening to them because most times. You're going to understand that people just want to understand or know that they're being heard and listened to. I'm not necessarily uh, solve my problem because mm-hmm. most times this, this solving the problem is just being validated, being listened to. They know that they are being valued. And that's one of the biggest things. You know, so many times as friends, as family members, as church members, as coworkers, whatever it may be. Uh, someone has a problem or issue, we're so ready to try to go in and solve the problem instead of just listening uh, to the individual. And that is the best um, advice that I can say. It's just take time out to just listen uh, to what's going on in life. Uh, being in the moment, so to speak, the here and now. And, you know, I'm not talking about meditation or anything. I'm just talking about 
uh, being grateful, understanding uh, what you have in life now at this moment. Don't worry about yesterday. Don't worry about tomorrow. Being thankful of what you're living in at this moment today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Brother Candice. As as I said, um, you know, my biggest takeaway was from when you say how we are comforted, you know, we edify each other and we encourage each other. And I really love how you always tie everything back to the word of God. You know, said that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against. You know, we, we renew our minds day to day with the word of God. And it's funny that, you know, when you look on so many like successful um persons out there you see they practice the word of god the principles they may not have the exact um word of god written word for word but they practice these principles that we as christians we fail to practice in our own lives you know in our own families and in our own um setting work wherever we may be so thank you so much for sharing with us on mental health thank you for reminding us that you know with jesus at the center of our lives that you know we can live in a state of um of you know being prosperous and being good health even in our minds and that god is truly in the business of you know ensuring that our minds are established in him and that you know our minds are healthy not just you know the hallelujah and the all the other stuff that you know come with Christendom that God is God is in control. And what I love um of what you said that when we move away from that is that we believe that we are in control. Like we bring it to God and take it back up because we feel that we can do it in our own strength. And thank you so much for just reminding us of that today that God cares about us and we can truly cast our cares upon him because he, you know, cares for us. So it's been a pleasure, and one of the biggest things, like I said, be who you say you are, and you know, let us live the life that God asks us to live. That is in Him, uh, and that's what you're saying there, and that should be our message everywhere we go. And it's funny that your three, what, what, his four F's. <laughs> it was three. Yes, yeah, three. It was faith, family. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. You said oh, your three, three F's? F's? Yes. Yeah, the three F's are faith, family, and friends. Awesome. Um, those are like you're connected. That's what life is about. Right. Um, that's what God talks about in the Bible, you know, um, and that's where we are in life. If you don't have those in your life, you know, God didn't, didn't create us to, to be alone or silent or anything, you know, when he created Adam. You know, Adam looked around and he saw what? Everything had a mate except himself. Mm. And, and so that's how God created us to be functional human beings. Even when Adam and Eve sinned, when Adam sinned, God says, where art thou? And God knew where he was, but God was letting him know what happened to our relationship. And, and so if anybody does the running, it's us running from God and not God from us. He's still right there behind us, still being the same God uh, that he was always in our lives. So yes, faith, family, and um, friends. And so 
Uh, I just say it's been a pleasure. I, I think I've talked too much. Um, <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> I, I, I think my my aunt in Alabama, uh, because the MS, it slows down everything, every function of my body, uh, my thoughts, my thinking, everything. But my aunt in Alabama, uh, when I get on the phone with her, she says, I can hear how sometimes uh, you're out of breath or you're trying to catch your breath. But then when you start talking about God, it's like you don't even have anything wrong. Right. And, you know, for her to recognize that, see, I just say all praises be to God uh, because that's why I, I took my medication this morning because I wanted to be able to to talk with y'all. Um, uh, but uh, my awareness is just for individuals when you're falling when things just like you're constantly tired, um, those are some of the signs of uh, maybe MS. Mm-hmm. And for people just to understand, to really be persistent and talking to their physician and everything and letting them know what continues symptom neurologist, uh, because that is something that's major. Because when they, you know, I didn't get down and say, well, it is me. Uh, when they told me about the lesions on my brain, because what it is, it it stops your brain from sending the signals. Right. Uh, uh, I don't even drive anymore. My wife drives, plus my leg can't uh, stop on the pedal or whatever when I'm at a stoplight or, or stop sign. It just trembles so much. They uh, say, well, get your car modified. I'm not looking to drive now. I'm not even trying to get there. I'm all right where I'm at. And and I think sometimes we just have to be content with where we are in life. Stop looking at everybody else. Stop trying to be uh, what we're not be and just be what God has called us to be. So I just give all praises to God and where he has been with me throughout my life and where he is with me now in my life. And it was a pleasure speaking with you all this morning. And you all continue to be children of God. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. So unmuted listeners, there you have it. Thank you for joining us today on the topic of mental health. And just remember those three F's, faith, family, and friendship. And it goes back to what we, what our podcast is about, where, you know, faith, friendship, and our culture meets. So no man is an island and no man stands alone. Have an awesome one.